Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Meghla Bhardwaj, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how overseas Amazon and e-commerce sellers can set up companies in Singapore and how local uh, Amazon sellers over here can manage their taxes and set up their companies. And to talk about this very, very important topic, I have with me Eric Yeo, who's a chartered accountant here in Singapore. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Hi, hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And, Great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot for joining me, Eric. I think this is such an important topic. You know, everybody okay. really talks about Hong Kong and Singapore and, you know, is, is Singapore really a tax haven and what are the benefits of uh, setting up companies in Singapore and things like that. So I'm really excited about okay. all of our discussion today. But before we go into all of that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? Tell us your story and how did you start this, uh, this entire company? Okay. I think um, I'm also like you guys, uh, entrepreneur. I guess uh, got tired of a nine to five job. Uh, was working in uh, PwC, my last pay, uh, my, my last job, ten years as a as an accountant auditor, and uh, and decided to just just really start a company and do something I like. Um, and since then, I never looked back. So currently, we have uh, three offices in Malaysia, Singapore, and Indonesia. And an upcoming one in Hong Kong, uh, and I really do enjoy my work talking to fellows uh, entrepreneurs, helping them to set it up. Yeah. So your company is uh, Paul Hype and Page, right? Yes. Um, that's the company name, and uh, of course you've helped me set up my company here, <laughs> and sure. you're going to help me do all of the taxes and everything, which I really dread. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was so impressed by the way that you. Uh, that everything is organized in your company. It's just so efficient. The advice was given in such an effective way and all of my questions were answered, uh, you know, very f- effectively. So I was like super, super happy with the entire process. And I have actually been recommending your company to other entrepreneurs as well. And so I thought it'd be a good way to, you know, introduce your services to other, other people. Uh, you might be able to help them. Okay. So let's talk about, um, you know, so there are a lot of Amazon and e-commerce sellers overseas. They're in the U.S., Australia, and uh, they want to set up companies, let's say, in Singapore. So first of all, what are the benefits of setting up a company here? I think, number one, to set a company in Singapore, uh, which especially for Amazon seller, uh, is the reputable company, jurisdiction of Singapore. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a trustworthy the banking system is good. Singapore Bank, you can basically do any business with anyone. Um, those are the, the great benefits. And overall, you will not be deemed as uh, someone who's trying to escape tax, although the tax is low. And the most important thing, I think, is that uh, your bank will not be suddenly closed down without notice and etc. etc. which experienced by by certain jurisdiction because they are climbing down on like uh, for example bvi uh, those are the the mauritius which could be higher risk deemed as uh, by the government around the world so the banks are also worries and they, they they could do something drastic especially there's a common reporting standards and so choosing the right jurisdiction really helps for Amazon. 
especially for US market, especially for US people or citizen. Right. I think that's something they have to be really careful. Yeah. Also Australia, I know that a lot of Australian sellers also set up companies here. Is that correct? I think, yes. I think number one is because it's uh, it's much lower tax rates at about, the first 100,000 is tax-free. Mm-hmm. The next 200,000 is about 8.5. The broad rate is 17. So effectively, you don't much pay much tax after your personal one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Australia is near to Singapore. I think that's also one one, yeah. one key factors. So would you say that Singapore is you know like a tax haven? And you know why do you think taxes are lower over here, like corporate taxes? Why are they much lower than other I think, countries? I think I'll address uh, the two things first. Number one yeah. is uh, is Singapore a tax haven? I think haven will be something like heaven or, or, or tax free, <laughs> totally tax free. Yeah. But uh. But I guess uh, it's not a reputa- rep- reputation that you want because it'll be like tax evasion that you don't pay tax totally at all and etc. Mm-hmm. So general, in a nutshell, Singapore is not a tax haven. You pay lower tax at um, 17%, at least that's the broad rate, uh, which is not the lowest in the world, even in Europe. So in Europe, uh, Ireland, where all the Starbucks and etc., HQ, yeah, the company tax is, uh, is only twelve point five. Okay. So so you be surprised in maybe in Luxembourg is even lower, mm. or, or Netherlands. So in a nutshell, Singapore is not a tax haven. We do we are responsible uh, because if we don't if we don't charge any tax at all. Uh, then I think the other jurisdiction, especially Australia, will not be happy. And then coming back to the other questions that you have, why corporate tax is much lower in Singapore? Um, I went went through a a survey or SMU survey, there's an interesting survey recently conducted by by the business school of the university. Um, I guess our corporate tax, 90%, comes from the international firms that is in Singapore. Okay, so the MNCs. Yeah, the MMC. So about mm-hmm. 90% of our corporate tax revenue comes from that, that side. So having said that, um, Singapore tax office is able to lower down the tax for the smaller players because the first 100,000 is tax-free and then the next 200,000 is 8.5. Anything above 300. 300,000, then you use the broad rate of 17. So in that sense, it gives uh, smaller players like us or SMEs, Amazon, reseller or individual businessmen um, a good platform to start their business. Mm. Yeah, because most of the tax is from MMC in Singapore. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So what are the kinds of companies that uh, you are seeing um, you know, that set up uh, companies here? Like what are the types of businesses that are setting up companies in Singapore, you know, from, from overseas? Uh, you, do you see a lot of e-commerce sellers or are there other kinds of businesses as well? I guess uh, from my own experience uh, and, and living in Singapore and doing many jurisdictions elsewhere, right? um, Singapore, I think, will be more service-orientated. Okay. IT, technology, service-orientated, online, 
you will not see much uh, like uh, hardware or when I say hardware, like manufacturing, because those manufacturing firms or, or factories uh, are big skill. I think number one, they won't come to me. And also the market and the labor cost doesn't really make sense to come to Singapore. You see them more uh, in our office, in our Malaysia or Indonesia office, where, where labor cost is slightly lower and there's land for them to do. So over here is very much uh, service oriented, IT oriented, plus international business. So meaning they could have manufacturing elsewhere. Here would be the trading hub where they do business throughout the world. Okay. Okay. So yeah. what are the requirements for you know, a foreigner to set up a company here in Singapore? I think the basic requirement you, uh, for a foreigner, you just have to remember. I think number one is you need a local director. A local director could be a citizen, uh, a Singapore PR, a permanent resident visa holder, or employment pass holder. Employment pass holder. So for all foreigners, who is Amazon or etc., as long as you have an employment pass, you are able to, to, to be the director of your own company. You do not need any locals. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, an office address. So these are the two main requirements. And have an internet because all things have a laptop, internet yeah. because all uh, all our system is online. Payments also online, just like Amazon, just like Amazon. Yeah, that's right. how you can you know basically set it up. Yeah, and uh, also dependent pass holders can also uh, incorporate a company here. Yes, I think dependent pass holder as well because they are usually at home. And, but I highly suggest that if they are dependent pass holder, um, which means that it's usually the spouse is working and they're here, their their visa are not allowed them to work. So my, okay. my 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 judgment call my call is just convert them to an employment pass. That's much much easier. Okay. So for people who don't have anyone over here to, you know, hire as a local director, you offer those services, right? So you offer a local director for them. So how does yes. that process work? Can you explain that a bit? Um, I guess these are very common. They need a local director. So we will provide them for the registration sake. And the next question, most probably they will ask, do I need to pay the director salary? Um, yeah. Are they involved? So Generally, no, you do not need to pay the director a fees. You pay them a fees to be the director and it's a, it's a yearly uh, uh, fees. And they do not know your bank account, as in they do not have access to your bank account. And usually you, you will still be the management. They are there for the statutory purposes. Yeah, those are, wow. Okay, so wow. Well, they are on board as the director, you know, to save costs and etc., we could help the business owner to get a visa. Hence, they can be the local director and, and, and do business here and stay here as well. Okay. So let's say if uh, somebody doesn't want to stay here in Singapore, but they just want to run the business, you know, from overseas, but just have the company here, do they need to visit Singapore to, uh, in order to incorporate the company? Um, in order to incorporate a company, you do not need at all. Okay. Uh, we have a special arrangement with uh, selected banks, selected banks, that they don't even need to be here to open their bank account. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a big benefit uh, for some of these uh, Amazon sellers because I think opening a bank account in Hong Kong is getting more difficult now. And I've yes. seen a lot of people who actually, you know, maybe even live in China, they are having trouble uh, opening bank accounts in Hong Kong. Yes. So yes. you're saying that it's, it's much easier to do that over here in Singapore. Yes. I think one benefit is because we have a close working relationship with the banks. Mm -hmm. So uh, they trust our client. They trust us. So hence they trust our client as well in to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they give us a, a special privilege or etc. that the clients can do a Skype and do an on, online interview rather than flying down all the way down. Okay. Okay. And uh, we also have three jurisdictions. So you can open a Singapore, with your Singapore bank, Singapore company, you can open a Singapore bank account, Malaysia, Indonesia, and even Australia. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of the differences between Hong Kong and Singapore? You know, setting up a company and doing business in Hong Kong and Singapore? Um, I guess, because let's target specifically because it's uh, most of the listener may be an online seller. Yes. Um, I think one, one main, okay, to start off, I think both are very similar. Mm -hmm. Countries, British law and etc, etc. Uh, advanced uh, banking system, etc. I think one benefit is uh, that for Singapore company, you do not need to do audit. You do not need to do audit. So that's really a plus point. Okay. Um, from, from a cost perspective. And not only that, but the daily, I think it takes out a lot of your time mm. when you do audit. You, the auditors still have to ask you questions to, to sign off the audit. So that, that is the main cost actually um, to look at it. Mm. But uh, also from from a tax perspective, from a tax perspective, Hong Kong have a an advantage over Singapore. I would say that because um, inside their tax system, by default, by default, they they have these rules that say anything, any business outside of Hong Kong, it's foreign source, and we do not tax on it. Okay. That's why many many people around the world goes to Hong Kong. Right. Because no, you're not taxed on it. That's it. Full stop. Uh, whereas Singapore, you have to be taxed somewhere else at 15% or more before we can before the Singapore company do not need to pay tax. Okay. 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 So to so it looks like a very nice proposition. Hey, let's go all go Hong Kong. Because we are in Australia, we are anywhere but Hong Kong. So any any sales online in Hong Kong, we pay tax. Anything outside, we don't pay tax versus mm -hmm. Singapore. But then I, I think everybody's forget about something. Because let's say, for example, if you live in Australia, just for example, if you live in Australia, if you do not pay Australia tax and you don't pay Hong Kong tax, so technically you don't pay tax. Yeah. Right, right. That's, that sounds good, but uh, but Australian tax office have the rights to tax. The reason is very simple because I think the brain 
the management of the company, it's really in Australia. It's really in Australia. And, and uh, let's say the Australia tax office, because there will be uh, inter intergovernment transferring of all these tax information nowadays. Mm -hmm. So they find that, hey, you don't pay any tax here nor there. And then you become a red flag. So I think Singapore take a more prudent approach. They say that you can choose, you can be a foreign source and I don't tax you totally, but prove to me that you're taxed somewhere else. So I think Singapore is slightly being a more res responsible uh, tax jurisdiction, I would say that. And so for, for people to choose between these two, uh, it's, it's very simple tax-free, higher risk of getting caught. Mm -hmm. um, that's for Hong Kong. Singapore side, um, you pay some tax, you're more safe. Because end of the day, wherever you live, uh, if you're local or the country that you're living, say that, hey, why don't you pay any tax at all? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I did pay something and somewhere. Right. You know? so, so, so it's safe. The more safe it is, you pay something. The more risky you are, it's fine. Okay, that makes sense. What about um, you know double taxation agreements? I mean, how can you tell us a little bit about how that works and how that benefits um, people who have set up a company in Singapore, especially think, if they are from U.S. U.S. or okay. By the way, U.S. do not have a full-fledged double tax agreement with us. Okay. Uh -huh, yeah. At the moment, we are, we are always trying to, to get them signed. Okay. Uh, but, but in general, I think in general, we will just use a general uh, to start off. I think double tax agreement, basically it's, it's, it's saying this. If you pay a tax in that country and you inform us, we will not tax you. That, there's a double tax. You know? To make sure that you don't pay double tax. That's number one. Right. And then number two is because let's say we sign an agreement. So anything I will charge, I'll give you a discount compared to people who doesn't. So a very common uh, use of double taxation agreement is where, for example, let me think, like a dividend, dividend. When, when Singapore, when the Singapore side dividend back to someone in Europe, for example. Okay. Uh, the reholding tax could be only 5% when there's an agreement. If there is an agreement, the reholding tax is usually 15% or more. Okay. So that's where all the, all, the, all the double tax agreement comes about. I think that would be a simpler. So having, if you have a, a subsidiary or a, of a company in Singapore and the money wants to go back to the HQ, to the, the owners. So they have to give out dividends. So generally, if there's a reholding tax in any country and we have a double tax agreement, maybe it's 5%. Whereas if you don't, then it's more, 15% or more. So that's where the double tax agreement come, come in place. Okay. So which countries yeah. does Singapore have a double taxation agreement with? There's uh, 60 over countries. Okay. I think the prominent okay. ones are uh, 
I can't, I can't pick out. We have Japan. Okay. Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, Singapore. Yeah. But we okay. got a big market, US and Singapore. We are still uh, have a restrictive ones. Have a restrictive one. But for, for there's other ways to mitigate it as well. Okay. Properly. Yeah. So you, most of the, most of the time, the double tax agreement is for, I would say it's for, for, for big companies, for certain size companies. Yeah, that, that's okay. the truth. Okay. So let's also talk about, you know, local Singaporeans and, and PRs, because there are a lot of uh, people in our community who want to start selling on Amazon and maybe they have nine to five jobs and, you know, they want to uh, incorporate a small company and, and um, uh, be an entrepreneur. So, what is the process for them to start a company and uh, do they really need to go via a company like yours or can they directly incorporate uh, a company? Um, they, they, okay, whoever is living in Singapore, if they are a Singapore citizen or, or permanent resident, they can just start their company because uh, they have a SingPass which enables them to, to just incorporate. But they need a... A company secretary that's where after the incorporation they could look for us or alternatively they could just start with us to save mm-hmm. them the trouble that's just one and then i think that that's one part of the questions is if i have a nine to five jobs and i want to do something on the side after six or after five uh is it better to have a company or without a company i, I think that's a that, that's a the goal of it i think I think I'll give a guideline. Uh, if the if the business is going to give you, say, extra of ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars of profit and and taxable, and you need to report tax because it's ten thousand and above, or you should report tax anyway. But the ten thousand will be a threshold to to decide is a deciding factor because you have your personal uh, your employment income, let's say is hundred thousand, just for example hundred thousand. So you pay about maybe uh, eight point five percent. Let's say eight thousand five, for example. And then for another ten thousand dollars of profit as uh, not profit from your business, you become uh, hundred and ten thousand. Hundred ten thousand. Mm-hmm. So altogether, you may need to pay extra of two thousand dollars. Two thousand dollars. So if you need to pay tax of two thousand dollars extra because of your day job and your Amazon business, then you are better off with a company. The, the The reason is fairly simple. Because for a new company, for the first three years, uh, the first hundred thousand is tax free. So you have still your day job. Anything you earn up to hundred thousand with Amazon is totally tax free. Okay, and, and this is not profit. Pro- this is uh, sales overall. Profit, sales. profit. Oh, hundred thousand profit. profit. Yeah. Okay. So you have one million sales. Yeah. Hundred thousand profit, and, and that's it. Okay. So having a company usually for a company that's profit about ten thousand would really make sense because the cost. Of maintaining maintaining a company is two to three thousand anyway. Okay, okay, that's yeah, good advice. Us, yeah. 
So what are the different types of companies that, uh, you know, can be incorporated? I think in, in, um, in, in Singapore, actually companies, when you specifically name companies, which is private limited, yeah. There's actually one type only, which is private okay. limited, that's all. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. It's just that sometimes it's called it's called subsidiary, sometimes it's called even branch or etc. Yeah, like nutshell, sole proprietorship and all of those things. Okay, generally I think you just break them down into three types. Sole proprietorship, which is a one-man show. Yeah. Partnership, it's you and, you and him or her or more, more people. And then private, private limited. Private limited is, uh, you can have as yourself or as many as possible, and there's a separate legal entity. I would say, yeah. And and uh, to to give you a a good guide for Amazon, Amazon, I think don't go for partnership because you know when there's two people, there's always conflict as it goes through. As it goes on, uh, if the sales, I'll say simply, if the sales is more than ten thousand per year, and you can see that it's, it's there's profit and etc., you should switch to private limited. Okay. Yeah, you can start off with a, a sole proprietorship, but I think once the sales hit ten k and above, you know, you feel that I don't mind paying. I mean. The cost of maintaining a company is two thousand dollars to three thousand. I can save, I can save through tax. So then just go for private. Okay. One of the other things that I think small businesses always struggle with is accounting, and that's something that I'm dreading now. <laughs> okay. So, do you have any tips for small businesses on how to manage, you know, their accounting? I think um, the takeaway, like. For Amazon, which I, we have a few Amazon or online business, which is a good thing because everything you sell online, you use uh, Stripe. I think that's a word that the company or credit cards or anything. Yeah. Oh, so you can just click and say, during this year, how much sales I made. Yeah. So that will that will conclude your sales, and then. What is the expense? And it's usually uh, advertisement, which you can click on your Facebook and, and, and Google AdWords. And then after that, let me think, the products you buy, yeah, which is also purely, most likely online, most likely online. And it will solve all your accounting problems, the <laughs> ma major cost. So it, it comes down into the small little part, like accounting fees, your copsec fee, your law fees, and etc. I, my suggestion is always to use the bank statement okay. as a guide. Use your bank statement and how much you pay. Everything is recorded in the bank. And then just print it out. Take a pencil or pen. This is for what? This is for what? So that your accountants can do the bookkeeping end of the year. For Amazon, for Amazon, I mean, even for Amazon player, right? Or any online. I, my, my judgment call is if it's more than 100,000, more than 100,000 sales, then maybe you require uh, a monthly accounting. Okay. The, the reason is simple because everything is online. I mean, all the calls and sales are. So if you are, if you are quite structured, you know, you can print it out. Even 1 million sales, 
really don't really need an, 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 an accountant or accounts on a monthly basis. Okay. Yeah, that, that's how I see it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And um, also, can you tell us a little bit about GST? Because I think that's something that uh, I've heard people ask about in, in my community as well. And as Amazon sellers, e-commerce sellers, do we need to apply for GST? And what, what is the... Because we also do things like, you know, Facebook ads and digital marketing. And um, so okay. do we need to apply for a GST number? And when uh, do we need okay. to do that? I think GST is a sales tax. Yeah. So I was I'll speak in a in a in a more Singapore context first. Yes. Okay, if you have a Singapore company, if your sales is less than one million dollars in a calendar year, you do not need to register GST. Okay. You do not need to. So anything is one million, it becomes a compulsory to, to to do it. Okay. Okay. So having a GST number would simply means this. For a Singapore businessman who trade in Singapore primarily first, whatever you pay for GST, uh, you can claim it back from the from the tax office. But at the same time, which also means that whatever invoice you charge people, you collect GST. So end of the day, you are paying someone GST and you are collecting GST. And then every three months, you net it off, and you tell IRAs, I collected more, so I pay you back. Okay. Uh, if I pay more than I collected, mm -hmm. then IRAs please pay me. I mean, please pay the difference to right. me. Basically, you are like a tax collector for, mm. for IRAs, if you think okay. carefully. So, okay, that is the local context. And after you are a GST registered company, then you think you have to tell IRAs, um, for example, your sales is more than 1 million. Uh, IRAs, what happened is this. My sales is over one million. Let's say it's ten million dollars. My sales is ten million. I'm a GST blah blah blah. Um, so the bottom line is now, ninety percent of my sales is outside Singapore. The goods never come here straight away from India. Manufacturer goes to US. Go to anywhere but Singapore. Yeah. There's only one million dollars is in Singapore. So IRAs will say, okay, I give you the blessing. So ninety percent of it, you don't need to pay GST. You don't even need to to invoice people GST so you don't collect GST. Anything that landed or is being transacted, goods is being delivered, goods and services is being delivered in the land of Singapore, mm -hmm. generally the guidelines you have to pay GST. You have to okay. invoice people with GST. Yeah, that, okay. that's that's the, the general guideline. Okay, that makes sense. And 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 also recently uh the latest update is that uh by Australia because there's so much sales going on online. Yeah. In the past, they just forget about it and say, you know, it's too difficult to track you guys or anything online sales. But uh, but we, we are we are seeing that uh, yeah, GST is being implemented already in some country, even it's online. Yeah, even in the in in the U.S., like uh, their sales tax in each state has different sales tax structures yes. and everything. So, yeah, it's getting quite complicated now <laughs> for online sellers as well. I think. Yes, yes, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, uh, I think Australia is the first one who started, and and they say anything that um, you know Amazon, we have you have to pay us tax as well, although it's online or etc. Yeah. But 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 uh, it it takes a while to 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 really 
uh, in being implemented in Singapore or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think for, for the takeaway, um, just now what I've said is good enough and, and I think let's stick to that first. Okay. Cool. So let's talk about the coronavirus and COVID-19. Um, you know, how is, is that affecting your business at all or do you see any other effect of uh, uh, the, the disruption that's going on in, in Singapore? Um, I think the COVID virus is the in thing now, the thing, the topic of the of the world. Unfortunately, so, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. I think the answer is uh, yes. I think yeah. it'll affect. It'll just affect everybody. I think. I think for I think the number one effect is is the emotion. To start a company, it's uh, to to be from an employee to employer, or a boss of your own. It's already a big emotional step. Plus right. the COVID. Oh man, you know, all the risks. Oh, what should I do? Oh, let's, let, let's stop being a boss. Let's yeah. stop the daydream one side first and get to work. Let's do it next year. Mm. So, so, so I, think, I think it's a yes. But on the flip side, on the flip side, uh, I've been interviewing all the entrepreneurs for 10 years. My, my take is that... Uh, your company or most company will not be able to pay out good bonus because of the COVID virus around the world. I mean, around the world, banks and etc. And if you remove your fear and think logically, maybe this is the best time to to start a business, mm. especially online business. I think number one, people stay home more. True. And when they stay home, they do after watching all the TVs <laughs> and all the things, uh, household things, they'll pick up their, their their mobile phones and they do shopping. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they just do shopping. <laughs> you see? So so for for Amazon uh wannabes or, or businessmen who, who really want to start a business. Maybe you can see this crisis as an opportunity. Mm. Yeah, I'm also yeah. seeing that like some people are, um, you know, whose jobs are being affected. Maybe their salaries are being reduced, or they've been asked to leave. You know, so this they are looking for other opportunities, and and this is something that um, is relatively lower barrier to entry. You know, e-commerce and and Amazon. So yeah, I do see more people. You know, kind of being more interested in this. And it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, people are on their phones and, and they're shopping because another thing that's becoming popular nowadays is social e-commerce. So even when you're on Facebook, you're seeing ads, you know, for products that you can buy. So shopping is everywhere. It's not only on the Amazon website or, you know, on the Amazon app. It's everywhere you go. YouTube, Instagram, YouTube. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I see a spider. I mean, I, I play with my phone at night when yeah. I see basketball. So I, I can see the spike. Right? I can see that, hey, yeah. buy this, buy that, buy this. I'm, I'm like, I buy enough already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, but you can see that. But I really think it's a, it's a, it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, even for small players, Amazon. Because I think once, like, if you're new, for example, if you're new, your cost is generally lower. Right. I mean, it's your time cost. 
you have not hired 101 people to help you to do design, etc. So every $1 is straight in the pocket and it's pure effort by yourself. Yeah, I think considering the COVID virus, the job market is not going to be good. Mm. Everybody stays home. I think it's a quite a perfect perfect storm to, mm. to start your business. This is the right the right time. This is my, my take. Anyway, I start my business after right after financial crisis in two zero zero eight. The, the stock market just collapsed and I have tendered my resignation already. So there's no way. So, so you couldn't take it back. Yeah, I can't take it back. So I, I tender, I plan everything, the stock market collapsed. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. Uh, I think yeah, October 2008. It was, it was terrible. Uh. Like the banks was just, it was scary. Uh. Every day yeah. in, the, in the office, we were just like, hey, that's it, man. <laughs> I said, yeah, I resigned. Tell me about it. <laughs> okay, and well, you made survived, it. It's, it's, yeah, you made it and you're doing so well. It's your 10th year anniversary yeah. this time, right, of the company. So congratulations yeah, about, for that. It's, sure, sure. So, so awesome. I'm the same like you guys. So yeah. we start at home and then move to office and blah, blah, blah. Set out the private meeting. <laughs> Yeah, and what I like about, you know, working with you is that um, you're able to understand entrepreneurs and what fears they have and what challenges they face. So when I talked to you the first time, I felt very, um, you know, confident and comfortable dealing with you because I, I know that you're in the same boat and you've been through the same process and you can really understand what an entrepreneur goes through. So, yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I think... I think the, I think ninety five or even in fact ninety five percent of our clients are foreigners okay. living in Singapore or foreigners living in foreign land. Yeah. So, me myself have lived overseas as a foreigner, so I, I kind of understand what they went through. And obviously, for non accountant, I usually have to say things that comfort them. Right. And, and it's really that simple. It's not that difficult. It's just that people doesn't like to do it. That's yeah. They, they, they but you can look for us and uh, they'll be online as well. And you are so online. Yeah. So what's the best way for people to get more information about your website and your services? Um, we are in, I think we are in YouTube. We are in Instagram. Okay. We are in Facebook. We are in, in Google Everywhere. search. Yeah. <laughs> So just put poor high page and that's it. And then basically you can see us anywhere. Okay. And uh, then just uh, reach out. Uh, I think it's very easy to schedule an appointment or a call on the website when itself. When you come to our website, uh, yeah. even nowadays, when you come to our website, on the top bar, there's a WhatsApp. You can just, just WhatsApp us. Okay. Yeah, that's the yeah. easiest. I guess we'll also put in the WhatsApp number in the show notes uh, on this podcast for um, just to make it easy for people to reach you. Yeah. Sure, sure. Cool. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. This has been wonderful. And um, I look forward to uh, continuing working with you in the, in sure, the next sure. few years. And um, sure. yeah, thanks a lot for helping me and all of the other entrepreneurs. Okay. See you guys. All right. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye.